0: Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It's Thursday the 5th of May 2022. May the 5th be with you. Uh, I'm James Cridland, the editor of PodNews.net,
1: And I'm Sam Seckley, the MD of River Radio. Just a day late, James, just a day
2: late. I'm Steve Jones, content director here at Crowd Network. I'll be on later to tell you about what's happening at Crowd.
0: He will. Podland is sponsored by Squadcast, the remote recording studio that your audience will love. Squadcast lets you create high quality audio and video content just using your browser and using Dolby enhanced audio mastering. They'll sound better than ever. And by Buzzsprout. Podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,549 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout. You can too at buzzsprout.com. And because Buzzsprout supports chapters and transcripts, we do too. Podland is where we talk about the latest news from the podcasting industry.
1: And this week, we're going to be talking about some real movers and shakers occurring. But let's kick off with the first story. No surprise, uh, Facebook is pulling out of podcasts and will close the service starting June the 3rd. Now, I know we touched on this briefly last week. Uh, Ashley Carmen from the Bloomberg uh, news got the scoop on this. Um, But we're not surprised, are we, James? It never really made Australia or the UK anyway. No. Um, But now it's closed down before it's even started, really.
0: Yes, and they've just emailed all of the podcasters who are on it saying that we're just about to close it down. Um, They're not going to tell our listeners. So if you're listening to us on Facebook, then firstly, how? And secondly, uh, stop it. Why? (laughs) Why? Yeah, exactly. So it was only announced in April. Um, Initially, it was some weird story. Spotify powered player thing, which they're also closing. Um, they launched a proper, uh, Facebook podcast player back in June, but it was only available in the U S so, you know, the remaining 97% of the world's population couldn't actually access it. Um, I wonder whether Joe Rogan spooked them a bit, but I also wonder whether or not um, just the the numbers weren't there. Mark Asquith from Captivate is very gung-ho about this and says, oh, well, you know, they were just trying an MVP and, you you know, seeing if it would work or not. And um, I I think that's fine, but I think I probably wouldn't have press-released an MVP. Personally, I would have um, done a little test and see if it worked rather than make a big thing as they did last time. But um, according to Buzzsprout, our sponsor, in April, they managed to do 0.3% of all podcast downloads, so not very big. And um, they uh, the all-time peak on the Buzzsprout uh, platform was 0.5% in February, making it the 17th largest podcast app. So I think it's a bit of a shame, to be honest. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I, I said from day one that, you know, I put all the podcasts up from River Radio uh, and it didn't really understand the fact that it grouped them all together in one tab. Uh, rather than use the groups which would have been more sensible to create communities around each podcast. I, th- I thought it had potential. And given the video capabilities we're seeing now from YouTube and Spotify, uh, Facebook has the video capability. Um, I think they've just uh, pulled the ripcord far too early. Um, I think they haven't given it a fair enough crack of the whip.
0: Yes, I think, you know, had they actually rolled it out to the rest of the world, then I think actually that would have been a slightly more sensible thing to do. Um, Maybe the reason why the US didn't work so well is that the US is an incredibly crowded market these days. And uh, if they were to have launched in somewhere like France or Germany, it would have been significantly better. But still, hey ho. Dave Jones sends us a boostergram. Thank you, Dave. Uh, saying, I really don't think Facebook's decision to leave podcasting has anything to do with content moderation issues. I was wondering whether Joe Rogan had spooked them. Uh, He ends up saying they already have all of the infrastructure in place to do that, and it doesn't scare them one bit, never has. I think they just saw it as a waste of their time because the ad revenue isn't there. Uh, And he also says, I guess if you can't make a billion or so, it's time to cut Uh, What a joke. Um, I I, I just think it's a bit sad. I don't think that they gave it. As you say, I don't think that they gave it long enough. Now, I'm wondering if
1: Facebook's the new Google, you know, produce a product, get people excited, and then 50 seconds later, just drop it like a hot brick. Um, You know, I never, ever use Google products outside of search now because I just don't believe that they'll be there for the long term. I don't see the time and investments and it looks like facebook may be going down the same track
0: yeah quite possibly quite possibly it's all about the metaverse these days isn't it
1: let's have Fortnite for business can't wait
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my word uh yes yeah. but still i mean at least their their product uh, normally works can't <laughs> necessarily say that about uh, all podcast hosts can you
1: no, um, the world's largest podcast host, anchor was down for much of yesterday from around 8.45am to 5.15pm Eastern. Publishers had problems accessing its website. Um, what's the background story, James? What do you think happened?
0: Yeah, so this was actually Tuesday, not, not yesterday as we record this. But uh, yeah, the, the, basically everything fell over and you couldn't actually access anything and um, listeners couldn't download the shows either. Um, I tweeted, I hope they gave everyone refunds because I was just being cheeky. Um, but, uh, you know, and of course, you know, um, some of the other podcast hosts jumped on the bandwagon and started saying how rubbish Anchor is. I think every podcast host sometimes has problems. Uh, Libsyn was down for an hour or so a couple of months ago. Uh, I know that others have been down as well um and um but you know having said that they were off for a long long time i mean at least the whole day if i was doing a daily podcast which i do um then that would have been a significant thing for me
1: i have a theory behind what happened james Uh, Michael Mignano left Spotify and I think he just took the keys home with him.
0: (laughs) Well, yes, maybe. (laughs) Yes, he's the guy that uh, founded Anchor. He's to leave Spotify. He's said to have given his resignation last week. He leaves at the end of June. Um, and, uh, his current job title is head of talk, open brackets, podcasts, live and video, close brackets at Spotify. Although frankly, he's had so many job titles while he's, he's been at Spotify, you know, who knows? Um, he has been there, uh, Spotify, w- uh, bought Anchor three years and four months ago. So, um, so he's probably overstayed his, uh, contracted time there. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, he's a, he's a decent bloke. I've met, I've met him a few times and he's a, he, he's a good man. It'll be interesting to see what happens next. But of course he's left alongside Courtney Holt, who has been running, um, a podcast from a editorial point of view and Lydia Polgreen, who ran Gimlet for a while. Um, uh, you know, all of those people have now left Spotify. So it's going to be an interesting time, I think, in in uh, Spotify with a slight void in terms of podcast management.
1: Yeah, I met up with Rob Lowenthal uh, of Wooshka, who uh, Spotify bought earlier mm. this year over at Podcast Movement. And Rob and I were chatting about, isn't it weird that these companies they buy the companies I get why they buy the companies it's either for the talent acquisition stroke the user base or, or technology but then they park them for three four years on the earnout, and then they walk wouldn't it be better to create a I don't know a VC type fund Spotify And stick these talented people, clearly talented people, into their next operation Mm. and fund them, even if it's not related to Spotify. But at least you're then keeping them interested for two or three years.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I think it must be very difficult if you've been head of your own company. For a while, you've had the acquisition, and now you know somebody else is signing your expenses forms, and somebody else is telling you what you should, should or shouldn't be doing. It must be really hard. Um, I'm looking forward to the podcast show 2022. Uh, He is doing a keynote. I notice at 11 o'clock in the morning uh, on one of the two days uh, he will be talking about well what will he be talking about it just says keynote Michael Mignano (laughs) Uh, so who knows what he's going to be talking about and frankly who knows whether he'll be there anymore maybe he'll he'll be going over to London as a little bit of a holiday but um, if he if he does end up uh, talking I'm really interested to find out what it is that he actually says there Mm.
1: now John Spurlock friend of the show put out uh, that more than a quarter of new podcast episodes published in April were on Anchor. So I'm sure a lot of people felt that downtime. Uh, Spotify's free podcast host was responsible for 25.8% of all new podcast episodes. Now, I put something out between you and I on our back channel, which I was saying, is that 25% of shows? And you went, no, that's 25% of episodes. But I'm like, well, if the episodes come within shows, what's the difference?
0: Oh, yeah, so the difference there is... And I love looking at this in terms of episodes. Firstly, doing it in terms of episodes makes sense because they are actively uh, produced podcasts, so they're actively getting made. Um, And also, secondly, you just get a bit more of an idea of which podcast hosts are being used right now in comparison to you know some of the larger heritage podcast hosts where there are a lot of parked shows on there so they can you know call that particular show a show on say libsyn um, but they can't but you know it's still not actually getting made uh, anymore um, so actually seeing this based in terms of episodes rather than based in terms of shows is quite interesting Uh, the rest of the top five just in case you're wondering buzzsprout our sponsor at number two spreaker at number three libsyn at number four so libsyn actually doing pretty well in terms of active podcast creation and at number five it's a brand new number five Um, Omni Studio is down and Podbean is now the new number five. Um, There's more uh, detail uh, on the Livewire website, which is livewire.io. And, you know, and as I say, seeing what Michael Mignano actually says at the podcast show is going to be interesting too.
1: Yeah. Um, what some of the other people coming to the podcast show are the guys from crowd network over in Manchester who a couple of weeks ago hit a milestone of 10 million downloads, um, for a podcast production company that only started last year. That's pretty impressive. Um, so I caught up with Steve Jones, the head of their content and, uh, interviewed him about what's going on at Crowd
2: Network. We are an audio on demand network. We have two content divisions. There's Crowd Stories, which you'll see a lot of all over the Apple Podcasts app. And there's Crowd People in simple terms. Crowd People, the likes of Joe Marler, Sam and Billy Fares, Laura Adlington, Garant Thomas, they're always likeable, they're charismatic. Advertisers want to work with them. They are the sort of people you can grow a community around for the long term the sort of long-term brands and projects with those individuals. And they often generate the revenue so that we can make the best crowd stories that we want to make, which are basically our documentary narrative style podcasts, stuff like The Secret History of Flight 149, American Vigilante, Murder in House 2. Those per episode are like our biggest shows for downloads. They're expensive to make, but they put us on the map. And so yeah, in simple terms, we have a crowd network and within crowd network, there's crowd stories and crowd people. We're a team of 12 currently. We're based in Manchester, and we will be a team of 18 by August. Let me
1: step one step back. Your heritage, yours and Mike, is the BBC, right? So tell me about your BBC background, and and, and obviously that leads into the Peter Crouch podcast because that's how you got into podcasting. So let's step back.
2: Yeah, myself, Louise, Tom and Mike, the four founders of Crowd, all from the BBC. I ran the sports podcast operation from sort of 2017-ish, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, My first podcast was actually Rugby Union Weekly, which I was really proud of. And that was the BBC's weekly rugby show. It's quite simple. It was presented by Hugo Monia, who's gone on to do really big things, and Chris Jones too. And from there, I got the opportunity to run all of the sports podcasts. And I suppose the jewel in the crown was that Peter Crouch podcast, which Tom brought to the BBC. He's a director of Crowd. We worked really closely together on it. It was my, I suppose it was my baby for the first mm-hmm. three series. And it was my chance to show off what I can do in terms of creativity, in terms of vision, in terms of growing that community. I think people listen to it and they assume it's just three lads chatting in a pub. Reality is that a lot of hard work went into making it sound like there's just three lads chatting in the pub. It's not revolutionary stuff, right? You get likable mm-hmm. people, you cast them, I remember the first time I went to meet Chris Stark and go, look, I've got this idea. What do you think? And you get them in the same room for the first time. You hope they get on. There was tapas, all that sort of jazz. And you go, look, can we put this thing together? But starting a new band, I suppose. You watch those documentaries of the way that people get on is crucial. So you cast it, you hope for the best. And you knew within 20 minutes or so that you had something. I mean, given what you've got now,
1: so you've seen a Peter Crouch podcast grow from zero to hero, and you've got your Joe Marler podcast now. Are you finding pushing that up the hill to get publicity around it? Because now you're having to do that yourself. What's the difference? Is it budget? Where where are you in that?
2: Part of it is budget. In a sense, the BBC can do a lot of marketing for free. We used to get adverts on after match of the day and EastEnders and stuff like that. But a lot of the most effective stuff was still ideas driven. It was still, i.e. we would... Get listeners to become ambassadors and they were in charge of passing the pod, and you'd go, it's your job to go and grow this. I also think it's a different time now, generally. I don't know if you read that piece that said a lot of the most listeners to shows in the world are like legacy podcasts from 10, 15 years ago. So I think it's a problem that everyone's facing. It was easier to launch podcasts in 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. Crowded market Um, now. Yeah. And it's difficult. You've also got a lot of the big platforms have got different agendas they need to sort before they promote your content. So this, it's different things at play. Uh, look, it, Ultimately, the cream will rise to the top. With Joe, we have done 90 episodes. The back catalogue gets as many downloads as this week's episode. The quality is consistently high. People who find it, you just got to get other people to find it.
1: Peter Crouch, where was the numbers when you finished, when you were leaving the BBC? What was the download numbers looking like on that then?
2: The biggest episodes are done... 500, 600,000, we always built it in a way that you could go and listen back to the first episode anytime. And even if we recorded that first episode, this has to be relevant in five years' time. It's weird inside the BBC, you got download figures every six weeks. And so you didn't get that seven days downloads, 30 day downloads. You'd just get a sort of spreadsheet with a total number per episode. But the biggest ones were huge. And even the smallest ones were 250, 300. You said it earlier. Discovery is the biggest problem, right?
1: Yes, you can put it out to Apple Podcasts. Yes, you can get to hopefully someone in Spotify. But but, uh, other than that, is it purely just chucking money at the wall and seeing what sticks?
2: There's a little bit of that. There's less and less money being chucked at the wall now that we keep learning what we're doing. Also, the network is getting bigger by the day. I think a lot of people will tell you that the most effective form of podcast promotion is on other podcasts. The more podcasts that crowd make and the more podcasts under our umbrella the easier that becomes the more we can do for free so that is um always going to be the, the most effective way for us we still do traditional pr and we do a little bit of social advertising but for us at the moment it's that podcast to podcast marketing and it's also george and our team he spends a lot of his week speaking to other production companies speaking to other networks and going look you've got a show doing this amount we've got a show doing this amount what can we do can our big show help your smaller show Mm -hmm. And in return, can your big show help our smaller show? And if everybody works together like that, I think... And when you say help,
1: Steve, what do you mean? Is that is look at Wondery, you can see every Wondery show cross-promotes the other Wondery show. So is that what you mean? Cross-promoting?
2: Yeah, Yeah, cross-promoting. It's that onward journey at the end. Like, at the end of a podcast is when people are looking for something else to listen to. So it's making sure that your presenter is verbally promoting something and going, look, if you want something else, go and find this. We drop whole episodes onto other people's feeds. Sometimes we pay for it. Sometimes we do a straight swap. We do, we've done some great things with something else recently that really helped out around the secret history of flight 149. There was a trade with the fault line because then we thought those audiences fit. Mm-hmm. And it just gave us a head start. We think it can be up to 10% of people who convert for a feed. Right. For example, okay. we think this is all based on our own stats. With trailer swaps, we think is near a 1%. I think the trailer swaps, you have to do them for a long time. Mm -hmm. to work. We're trying to do things fast. So at that feed dropping element of, look, if a hundred thousand people hear this episode, I might be able to get 10,000 listeners in. If those 10,000 listeners listen to the whole series, that's a hundred thousand downloads. That's worth something to me. And that gets us at the top of the Apple charts, gets that visibility, means that people take notice and suddenly people are writing reviews and you're up and running. If you can get somebody to hear the show in the first place, then the snowball can start. The trick is often making sure enough people hear it so that word of mouth can take over. Because we all know that word of mouth is, you know, the big one and it's free.
1: And okay, moving on then, um, monetizing this whole thing, making money
2: from it. Our best sponsorship deals are the ones done in-house by ourselves. You look at the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club, you look at Foxgiven, their best deals, Sam and Billy, the same thing. Their best deals are the ones that we've done ourselves. So I think that's really interesting. The advertising market isn't perfect. So, you know, we have shows with ACAST, we have shows with Audio Boom, Red Circle, Adelicious. The technology on Megaphone I'm in love with, in terms of what you can do cross promotion wise. So that's, I like shows that are on there sometimes. So there's different ways of doing it. There's different sort of deals that work for different shows. Joe Marla, for example, the back catalog is incredibly valuable. I think 60% of this week's downloads will be for episodes that aren't this week's episode. So you have to be able to dynamically insert Mm -hmm. in that show. Mm -hmm. So that suddenly goes, right. There's only a couple of places you can go for shows that are a bit more topical, a bit more of Sam and Billy about their life each week. You know, you can burn that in and that's fine. So there's different ways of monetizing it. I would love it to be easier. I would love the market to speed up, but we've all assumed in the podcast industry that it will eventually get there. Mm -hmm. So when it does get there, we'll be in a position, hopefully we go, let's do this. Our commercial director starts by September. I think it could be August, but let's say September. That changes things because, again, a lot of our best deals have been the ones we've done ourselves. And you're not giving away 20, 30% of those either. So I think that's where we're headed. But equally, we are aware that every one of these sort of advertising agencies offers something different and there will be different deals for each show.
1: Subscriptions, where do you sit on that? Where do you think the market is? Where do you as Crowd Network sit?
2: So the headline is subscriptions are worth a lot more money than... Advertising CPMs, obviously. If you've got someone offering you £35 per 1,000 listeners, but you've got one individual listener willing to pay £4 a month, let's all go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, I think better people get a better experience. People feel like they're part of a community um, by paying the subscriptions. Equally, people's electricity bills have just gone up through the roof. Difficult to nail exactly what the strategy is. I'm all in on subscriptions for certain shows. I think our high end documentary shows, it is the best way to listen to them. The advertising market in the UK isn't at a place at the moment where you're going to sell a load of advertising spots in American Vigilante or the Secret History of Flight 149. So I think our Crowd Stories service on Apple has been really effective. It's also been really good for We Didn't Start the Fire, which is a history show, but it's got a real community behind it and people feel part of something. And we have a Friday club. So it's simple thing is, if you pay £4 pounds a month. Not only do you get all, all the other crowd stories, mm-hmm. with ad-free and early, but you get to listen to We Didn't Start the Fire on a Friday morning instead of a Monday morning. It's a simple thing. It's no extra work for the production team. Mm-hmm. But it does give that core audience something extra so they feel like they're part of something special. Right. I think well, we're a long way behind in this country in terms of paying for content, but that's not to say we won't get there eventually. I think the interesting thing for me over the last year is just the way that Apple have positioned themselves. It almost feels like Apple are on our side, right? Yes, they're a massive global entity and cynically, of course, they're taking a cut of the money being made from subscriptions. But it's the first time that a big platform has gone, right, let's work with you guys. Mm. And that's not always been the case. So I've been quite impressed by the way Apple have set things up over the last year. It's not perfect, but it is a big platform willing to work with creators. So I think it's a good thing overall. It's not going to pay the bills for the whole company. And it might not do for years, but I think it's probably a healthier way of heading unless the advertising industry can start selling more premium rates and and offer a bit more competition in that sense. I'm curious, you you keep talking about Apple, but never mention Spotify. Why is that? They've got their own thing going on. They own a lot of their own content. They spent a lot of money on their own Spotify originals. They don't need to work with independent creators as much. And to be honest, if if I'd spent Billions of dollars on content. I'd promote that first as well. So you can't blame. Last question then. I promise. Internationalisation. Everything we've talked about
1: has been very UK centric in in terms of the audience, the names, the people. Right. Where does Crowd Networks head sit again with internationalisation?
2: So we have a lot of conversations about this every week. Each of our documentary titles seems to want to be translated by somebody in another country into another language. And so we will do deals on that front, the secret history of flight 149. I expect to be available in French at some point in the future and where it goes from there in terms of Spanish, Italian versions. I think around Europe, it it'll be a quite a big deal. There's a lot of will on the European front to work together. And there's a lot of companies going, can we get this off the ground? relatively efficiently just by changing it into another language. So I think that'll happen. The US is a market that we'd all love to crack. We do have certain shows that we will launch in a bid to make an impression in the US. It's such an enormous market and there's so many people to talk to there. On the celebrity side, I don't know whether you could go and look, here is the Sam and Billy show in Spanish or dubbed in Spanish, whether people would want that. If they want it, then we can offer it. But I think our priority on the sort of other languages will be the crowd stories.
0: Steve Jones from Crowd Network. I really enjoyed that. And I found it really interesting to hear talking about cross promos and stuff like that, but also really interesting to hear how positive he was about Apple and how much he thinks that Apple is actually helping them now. And what a change he's seen at Apple. And it's certainly something that I think you and I have uh, chatted about in the past. Yeah, Um,
1: but also what was interesting is when I asked him about Spotify, uh, yeah, there wasn't really a warm feeling that Spotify if I was helping him or maybe the industry. Uh, they've got their own content, their own strategy and it's a closed wall uh, and so I, yeah he didn't seem to have a a warm, fuzzy feeling for Spotify, just as he did for Apple.
0: No, and I think you know, as we've said in the past, I think that's a big change over the last couple of years. It used to be that Spotify was there, trying to help everybody in the podcast world uh, produce better content, get it out there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now, very much, uh, it, it's seen as as uh, Apple's thing, and Spotify is very much uh, seen as producing their own stuff. And I think that's a real change and an about face you know that's what i would have said about apple two years ago so um yeah so i think you know hurrah for apple there um and uh, boo for spotify in a way but i think that that's something that spotify could uh, certainly fix too
1: the other thing i just wanted to highlight was obviously um steve talking about cross promotions we did an interview a couple of weeks ago with Lauren Purcell from Tink Media who launched the podcast swap database so if you haven't checked that out do have a look up there because if you're thinking of doing cross promos that's a good place to do it Uh, but also check out uh, how you can grow your show using cross promos Jared Eastley explains if you don't really understand how this all works and I'll put that in the show notes how promo swaps feed swaps crossover episodes and more how they all work.
0: Indeed. Now, uh the UK you've had some awards, haven't you this week? Uh, awards for radio people and awards for podcasts. Uh was River Radio in the uh in the awards uh ceremony? No, we're not
1: award ready
0: yet, James. I you know, I don't
1: like to go too early. I mean, we've got the community radio awards, we've got the ARIAs, we've got the god knows what else awards coming out, but no. Oh, the British podcast awards as well coming out, but yes, no. Don't forget we'll them. wait till next year. Yes, and we'll it wait was, till next
0: year. So it was the aria's uh turn uh this week wasn't it
1: yeah the uh radio academy uh took place the other night uh among the full winners was a novel for Wandry's Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Riviera won Best Factual and, uh, yeah, and Spotify's Deco took gold. What were the other highlights for you, James?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think the Arias is really interesting. I think what they are feeling is a big change in terms of radio content and the type of content that they have judged in the past and the type of content that they're judging now because there's, there's obviously a, a lot more independent stuff going on the long time academy won best independent podcast max creative's life sentence took home the creative innovation award we are voices won the grassroots award um all kinds of content that wouldn't necessarily have got on the radio is now uh, in the in these awards and being uh, judged um And I think, you know, it's been interesting uh, times uh, for them there. But, uh, you know, great to see um, podcasts being um, awarded alongside the big, you know, radio shows and the big uh, radio stations
1: yeah uh, and congratulations to jake warren from message heard who also uh, they got a nice bronze uh, for the old man in the boat so it's good to see independent podcasters as well um getting in on the act indeed and now for some quick news um Charitable, uh which was bought by Spotify only recently, um, has clarified its future in an email to users. What did they tell us, James?
0: Yes, um, we were a little bit unclear as to what was going to happen with Chartable. The original communications that were coming out basically sounded as if Chartable would be disappearing behind Megaphone's uh, tools. Um, What Charitable have now said is, yes, they are going to integrate with Megaphone, but they will still be available to all publishers, whoever they host with. They're going to focus on publisher tools and analytics, which I think means they're going to pull out all of their chart... Uh, measurement stuff um, which will probably please daniel j lewis no end um, because uh, uh, mypodcastreviews.com is his service and uh, he does a very good job with that Um, so interesting to see all of that but very much focusing on publisher tools and analytics and available to everybody whoever they host with we also found out this week um, how much they were bought for Um, At least Spotify said, slightly unusually, Spotify basically said, we bought Chartable and we bought Podsites, and in total, we spent $87.5 million uh, for them. What they didn't actually say is how much of that was pod sites how much of that was chartable. my understanding is charitable not that much pod sites quite a lot um, but the company hasn't actually uh, split out uh, how much was paid for uh, for each of those so that's uh, slightly unusual
1: well if those gentlemen are at the London podcast shall we know who's getting the drinks in that's for certain
0: <laughs> yes indeed uh, yes there are lots of people who've um, who, who've earned quite a lot of cash recently, both from the beneficence of Spotify, but also from uh, raising large funding rounds as well. So, uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting too. Talking about money, uh, a podcast hosting a monetization platform that I've never heard of before called Pamper Me Network. Uh, is promising $1,000 per month for every 1,000 users. And the more that you look into it, the more that you realise that's probably not what they're saying. No. Um, They pay a sign-up bonus of $1 per listener um, if you want to. It's a bit like a kind of a supercast stroke Patreon type of model. Um, But you can also do affiliate you know, uh, uh, sales and stuff like that, but then they'll help themselves to 50% of all earnings anyway. Um, So uh, I think this is a case of looking beyond the headline, Um, but certainly interesting at least to see that there's a new company out there trying to help um, podcasters monetize. They're in Ontario, in Canada, they're in Toronto. Wow, no, you're not allowed to pronounce the uh, the, the second T in Toronto, <laughs> I notice. So, well, you, you can
1: always trust the Canadian, so it must be good. <laughs> now... Libsyn's advertised cast saw an average CPM rate of $24.01 in April. It's the second highest figure on record and it's 3.2% up year on year. So does that mean advertising is growing, James?
0: Yeah, I think it means that advertising is growing. I mean, obviously, we are going to go into a recession. There's no two ways about that. And it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, you know, again, really helpful for advertised casts to report those, those numbers. Um, which they do every single month. Um, So great to end up seeing. And as I say, a second highest figure on record. The first highest was in January of this year, which was a bit of a strange uh, time anyway, as most people were coming out of a pandemic. Um, Not that the pandemic's finished at all anyway, but you know what I mean. Um, And so, you know, good to see that the figures are going in the right sort of uh, direction. Hmm. Now,
1: an association I haven't heard of before, but you probably have, James. The Asian American Podcasters Association has announced 31 podcasts for May's Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Wow, that's a mouthful. The organisation is also looking for submissions for the Asian Podcast Festival, which is on May the 20th.
0: Yeah, they've got a ton of different podcasts from a ton of different Asian-Americans. It's worthwhile taking a peek and they also run a award ceremony uh, as well, which is uh, worthwhile. Having a look at if you fall into that, um, uh, you'll find them linked, of course, as everything else is in our show mm. notes at podland.news. Now,
1: one more thing, James, in the quick news. Uh, Headliner, our friend Neil Modi sent us a quick email saying um, they've integrated with Hindenburg, so you'll be a happy boy there.
0: <laughs> yes, you can now, if you use Hindenburg, which is an audio editor, then you can now publish directly to Headliner. Uh, which is very cool there's a number of other places that you can publish directly from Hindenburg Uh, In their system, Uh, I notice Orphonic is in there, Buzzsprout is in there, and and that's how I upload the audio of this particular show. Uh, But there's a bunch of other um, podcast hosts as well, a bunch of other lesser podcast hosts in there as well. Um, What Headliner has also done is they've added support for automatic uploading to LinkedIn. So if you want to annoy the horrible people in LinkedIn with uh, any podcasts that you produce, then go ahead. Uh, Headliner has added that too. We do that. <laughs> Every week, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but you won't. You won't upload that bit. No. Uh, so that's all right. Uh, LinkedIn full of the same people as Clubhouse, but without a microphone. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Quote unquote. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Neil. Neil and I are talking uh, quite a bit actually, because uh, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks back we're trying to uh, come up with some other. Clever automations for uh, using AI um, post production to uh, promote your shows. I think they've got something really interesting in the pipeline. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk about it uh, in a couple of weeks.
0: Indeed, it sounds really interesting. Uh, people, there are lots of um, quite large senior people moves, aren't there? Tom Webster,
1: he of the Edison Research, uh, who gave a brilliant uh, presentation over in podcast movement in L.A. He's on the move, James. Where is he going?
0: He is. He's to leave Edison Research. um, And he says he will leave Edison Research at the end of May. And he, quote, wants to continue to work to establish a podcast industry, a place where established networks and independent podcasters alike have fair access to information, revenue and opportunity. So you ask me where he's going. Who knows? Well, I, I, I do know, but we will all know by, the, by this time next week because uh, Tom Webster will be a guest on next week's Podland.
1: Indeed. Um, is he coming to London, do we know?
0: Is he coming to London? I believe, uh, oh, uh, for the podcast, yes, he is, because he's both coming to Malmo in Sweden, where I'm going, and then going to London uh, for the podcast show 2022. Uh, so we will see him actually in person um, uh, then. So that's going to be very good.
1: Mm, look forward to seeing him there. Uh, Neil Carruth is to join Freakonomics Radio as an executive vice president and general manager. He's been working at NPR for almost 23 years, lately overseeing a large portfolio of the NPR podcasts.
0: Yeah, he's a very, very big name in NPR. And it's interesting to see Freakonomics Radio Uh, getting another big uh, signing uh, for Economics Radio. Appears to be doing very, very well. And really interesting to see someone who has essentially worked for NPR half of the life of that organisation moving on and doing something uh, different. So many congratulations to Neil. And uh, hopefully I will be uh, seeing him somewhere soon. Um, And talking about other big names, Sarah Van Mosel. Um, I last saw her when she was working for Stitcher and SXM Media, I went to one of these upfronts things a couple of years ago in LA and the Stitcher uh, presentation that she gave was clearly the best, Um, uh, she did a fantastic job. Um, and uh, she has now left that company. In fact, it turns out she left in October and she's now joined iHeartMedia, both looking after the iHeart Audience Network, which is a new programmatic audio network, but also uh, helping with the podcasting side for iHeart Podcasts as well. So that's a tremendous signing from uh, iHeartMedia, number one for podcasts. Uh, So um, many congratulations to them and to her
1: yeah one of the other things i noticed in pod jobs which is uh, available on your website james was that there's a job uh podcast producer at the history hit show in london
0: yes uh, lots of those jobs appearing all the time on pod jobs it's really taking off that website one of these days i'm, I'm going to have to do a little bit more te- tech work on it and allow you to you know edit things and make them work a little bit better um but uh, yeah loads and loads of uh, of opportunities on there. So if you're looking at getting into the industry, podjobs.net is the place to go.
1: Now, moving on, uh, Tech Corner. Uh, some really good announcements this week from a uh, number of podcast apps. Uh, live streams are now supported on Podverse on the web. Uh, podcasters can add a live item tag to their RSS feed to make your live stream available to every app.
0: Yes. So, if you're making uh, podcasts, which you also stream live, then if your listeners are using a new podcast app which supports it, then you can actually alert them and say, hey, we're going live now. It's uh, perfect for things like the new media show um, and uh, Twit and all of those sorts of uh, things. Not that uh, Leo is going to be using it anytime soon, but you know what I mean. Um, so great to see that there on the Podverse uh, web uh, service. JustCast has also added support for episode level podcast person, podcast location, and podcast funding, uh, which is good to uh, see. And Transistor is launching a new website builder. Um, which they are offering to everybody, seemingly. Uh, have you uh, had a play around with that, uh, Sam?
1: Yeah, we got we got a, uh, access to the beta last night. So, yeah, it's it's nice. You put your RSS feed in, very simple. It uh, can create different templates on it, and you're off and running. I'm going to try and get a hold of the guys at Transistor, Justin at Transistor, and, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, when he's had a little bit more time to get the beta out. Um, and, yeah, get him on and ask him a little bit more about it.
0: I'm a big fan of Justin because he sent me... A very beautiful T-shirt uh, with a dinosaur on it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a fan of that. Uh, easy way to get to my heart is just to send a T-shirt over. I mean, it takes, on a it takes he... six weeks to get over, but nevertheless, it's always a good thing. Was he calling you a dinosaur? <laughs> no, no, it was a nice, it's, it's a nice picture. You can buy transistor swag, and it's a nice picture of a podcasting dinosaur, uh, which is uh, very good. Uh anyway uh let's <laughs> Let's move on. Right. I was going to make a joke about you being an old dinosaur there, but I'm, I there. decided I'm not going to. Good. Um, <laughs> Fountain is doing uh, lots and lots of uh, work around um, Lightning and everything else. They've just uh, released a new update, haven't they?
1: Yeah, it's also available, James, for you on Android as well. So uh, it's, Yes, um, of course. It's available on iOS and Android. They've added things called Lightning addresses, where you get paid with your Fountain Lightning address. So every Fountain user now has a Lightning address connected to their wallet, share your Lightning address with or from your profile page to get paid from any Bitcoin Lightning wallet, which sounds really cool.
0: Yeah, they're doing a bunch of uh, stuff, including activity notifications, so you can see the contents your friends are enjoying if they want you to, or uh, and user splits as well. Um, so you can actually um, you can actually do user splits, which we should do on this podcast. At the moment, we have. Uh, everything's coming to my umbral um, but uh, what we should be doing is we should be splitting it equally so that your your umbral assuming that you've actually got it up and running yet
1: it's turned on look, look that's the extent of it i'm not going mad on it yet
0: it's it's turned on yes you, do you mean do you mean it actually works
1: Technically, no, I can't lie.
0: Oh, here we go. Here we go. No, no, I'm not
1: saying anymore. Yeah, Dave Jones is going to give me an absolute rocket, but there you go.
0: Here we go. Here we go. Maybe what I should do when I'm on the way to South Wales next week or on the way back from South Wales, maybe I should should do a little bit of um, tech help for you. I I think I I need it. Get that thing working (laughs) for you. Uh, Anyway, but uh, yes, that's something that we should uh, definitely be doing. Hey, do you know why this show is um, hosted on uh, Buzzsprout? And the reason why it sounds so excellent is that we're using Squadcast. Do you know why this show is quite unusual, Sam? Uh,
1: No. Go on, tell me.
0: This show is quite unusual because uh, this show is not being uh, hosted on the Amazon Cloudfront CDN. It's being hosted on... On Cloudflare, um, which is actually being used by very few people now. Only 12% Ooh. of uh, episodes last month uh, were um, being delivered by uh, Cloudflare. And most of that is probably Buzzsprout, because Buzzsprout is the second largest podcast host in, in the world, uh, which I found interesting. Amazon Cloudfront has 51% of all of the podcast episodes that you listened to last month. Gosh. Um, yeah. yeah, they're doing. Uh, Jeff is doing very well, and not that Jeff really owns it anymore. But you know what I mean. He's doing. He's doing pretty well out of podcasting, really. And the Podcast Index have um, done something um, uh, which is of interest to precisely nobody except for possibly me. They've produced a new endpoint. With an episode by guid uh, feature um documentation is on the way and in fact they've got documentation on the way for a couple of other endpoints that they haven't yet documented to. okay
1: okay you say it's only you that's interested but i put it in our show notes because i was interested as well what is episode by Guid? like so i've got two questions for you because i've been trolling through the old mm podcast RSS documentation now at the channel level you can get a podcast GUID yes. right and then at the episode level under item you can also get a GUID right why why do we have two GUIDs at different levels and also um are are the is the episode level which is clearly unique related to the channel one or is it just totally random
0: yeah, they're both unique um, and the point of them is to say to your podcast host, this is something that I've already downloaded. So if we change the name of our, um, of our episode uh, title, if we change uh, the audio, which we might end up changing, if we want to edit it after we've published it, then as long as the GUID is the same, then your podcast app knows that you've already uh, had a listen to that particular uh, show and the GUID should ideally be completely unique right. in terms of um, uh, certainly in that in that feed for a particular episode. And the reason why it's helpful for this endpoint to exist is that at the moment, if you want to find information about a particular episode that you're looking at in an RSS feed, then the first thing you have to do is you have to go to the podcast index and say what is the ID number what's the podcast index ID number for this episode, please? That uh, The podcast index then gives you that ID number, and you can then use that ID number to look up the information about that particular episode. So you've, you end up with two separate hops to the podcast index, um, which is not particularly helpful. And so what this enables you to do is it enables you to basically go, I already know the GUID for this episode. I already know what this episode is is specifically called uh, in terms of that ID just give me the information about it um, so that should speed everything up from a developer's point of view and one of the reasons it's there is to um, is to enable me to bring back comments to the pod news uh, website um, so that we'll be able to bring those uh, back because that was one of the issues. Um, that I wasn't actually able to go off and find the podcast index ID, but I, of course, knew what my GUID was anyway. There you go. I wish you'd never asked. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really. I'm,
1: I will. I'm. I'm very fascinated by that. So thank you. Um, moving on. Now, your favourite part of the show, James. It's Booster Graham Corner.
0: It is Booster Graham Corner. Today there are six thousand four hundred and fifty nine podcasts on the Lightning Network, which uh, is supporting which are supporting value for value, a way of basically sharing the value that you find from our podcast and uh, giving us value back again. Uh, we've already mentioned a couple of boost grams today from uh, Dave. Uh, if you've got something to say or you'd like to help support us, then you can send us a boost message by holding down the boost button in your podcast app. There's a really good case study, which I'm going to put into pod news on Monday, but I'll share today around podcasts and boostergrams in case you're wondering how big this is per day is being sent around the podcast infrastructure um, in terms of boosts and streaming sats. $40,000 a day, or if you like it better that way, 1 million sats per day, which is amazing. More than 70,000 transactions per month. So it's already pretty big, and that's a, a really good case study that a company called Voltage uh, has done about light, lightning payments for podcasting. Uh, it's well worth a read. You'll find it in the show notes at Podland News. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just it, it really is catching on and really is going somewhere. So it's uh, really good to see those numbers
1: now moving on event corner um we've talked about it a few times on this show today um the podcast show 2022 uh, starts on may the 25th in london of course we will be there um and uh, yeah, if you still want to get tickets, then you can. Uh, Pod News is a media partner, and so the promo code is PODNEWS to save 20% off day tickets. Um, but it is only for a limited time, James.
0: It is only for a limited time because apparently we've only got a limited amount of uh, tickets you can get in that way. Um, you can find the full programme at thepodcastshowlondon.com. Um, and to save you, um, turning up on time on the first day, uh, the first session on the first day, May 25th, will be a keynote from me. Uh, I'll be talking about the present and future of podcasting. Uh, so feel free to turn up a little bit later, uh, if you like. <laughs> um, but, uh... You can use uh, code PODNEWS to save on your ticket, as Sam rightly says. And if you are going there, then it will be really good to um, uh, see you. And, of course, um, pretty well the same week is PodFest in Orlando, uh, which should be a good uh, event to go to as well. And there's another PodFest. Uh, coming up and this one's in berlin isn't isn't
1: there yeah uh it's the polylingual grassroots and local podfest we invite the world to join us and see berlin as a nest of talented and hardworking people making amazing shows equality is our guiding value diversity and inclusion are foundational commitments uh yes that's on the 16th and 17th of july
0: Yes, I love uh, Berlin. It would be lovely to go back to uh, Berlin. Not sure that I'll be able to quite manage that. Where am I going in the middle of uh, in the middle of July? I know I'm going somewhere. Oh yes, I'm going to London. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so that was, should be uh, fun.
1: I was based in Berlin as an army officer.
0: Were you? There you go. Did you end up going through Checkpoint Charlie and all of
1: that? No, that was the Americans, wasn't it? No, no, we did. It was the. It was wonderful. I used to uh, just for a little while. I guarded Rudolf Hess at Spandau Prison, uh, and yeah, I went through Checkpoint Charlie every Friday night, which was the weirdest thing ever. Um, graffiti on the western side wall, and totally whitewashed on the eastern yes. wall. Uh, lots of travants and uh, bullet holes on the eastern side. But uh, you and I probably may remember this. It, you Used to be one pound was eight Deutsche Marks. Oh, the days when pound was valuable, um, and then it was 64 <laughs> Ostromarks to the pound. So you could take money into East Berlin, but you couldn't yes. bring it back out. So we absolutely had a ball every Friday night. It was crazy.
0: Yes, I went through Checkpoint Charlie once, um, and I remember I was wearing jeans, and I had a Walkman. Uh, in my pocket, and both of these things were um, both, of, both of these things were not a good idea if you were going through checkpoint Charlie because they reckoned that you would sell the jeans, and you would definitely yep. sell the Walkman. Uh, and so I was uh, praying that the security guard wouldn't notice and wouldn't throw a, a young teenage me, uh, <laughs> you know, out or or you know arrest me or something. But uh, no, everything was uh, all fine. But yeah, that was that was an incredible time and um and, and like you i remember going from you know uh, west berlin which was an incredibly you know busy place you know lots of cars everywhere and then you go through into into east berlin and you wouldn't have four lane five lane roads it would just be you know single lanes and no cars to be seen it was a, the most fascinating uh, change and you tell the young people of that today and they won't believe you <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: well i did the berlin marathon a few years back and, and running through the brandenburg gate was quite fascinating because checkpoint charlie now mm. it, it, it should be it should be much more heralded but it, it's been left in a coppice on the side and it's pretty uh, it, it, irrelevant really it's yes. a white box but um running through the brandenburg gate uh, and going from east to west which i did was quite a massive amazing really
0: yes yes because of course the um the wall actually went th- um uh, actually blocked that didn't it so mm. you weren't allowed to go there at all uh fascinating uh fascinating place uh to be the thing that i liked most when i went there um uh, you know, not so long after reunification, was just seeing that uh, the only way of knowing whether you were in East Berlin or West Berlin was because of the traffic lights, because they have the Ample Man, which is a little man who wears a hat, on their traffic lights in East Berlin, and in West Berlin it was just normal Western, uh, Western. Uh, 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 traffic lights. I can I can feel people turning off because they didn't want the history of <laughs> West and East Berlin. So, what's happening uh, for you in um, uh, this week in, in Podland, Sam? Well, next
1: week when you're here in Blighty, you're coming on the crafty tug bait. Uh, my little tug boat, which is a pub, is in dry dock getting a makeover, but it'll be ready for you, James, when you're here.
0: I'm glad you clarified that it was a boat. <laughs> So that's nice (laughs) Uh, excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you going anywhere prior to that?
1: Yeah, I'm off to uh, Burgundy this weekend for a long weekend to do some wine tasting. So, uh, my oh, very nice. You're going to
0: be you're going to be tasting a bit of Burgundy.
1: Yeah. Well, I I happen to, as you know, have a wine importing business, and uh, so yeah, we're off to go and see some producers. Um, we've got electric bikes because drinking and driving is not allowed, and uh, yeah, so we're going to be cycling around Burgundy uh, between about five or six different producers tasting.
0: E- nice. Excellent. Well, that's all fine and dandy. Uh, what am I doing?
1: Yeah, what's happening for
0: you? Uh, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked. So, um, <laughs> this time... <laughs> Uh so uh yes so next week uh, I've got one more uh one more podland uh to record here in Australia and then of course uh I'm um, uh, getting on a plane and going to uh, Sweden and then to the UK and everything else so I'm basically planning for that I'm doing a 40 minute talk of which I've read uh, of which I've written none of um uh, for uh, for Radio Days um, for Radio Days Europe, so uh, looking forward to at least starting on that. So that will be helpful, wouldn't it? Um, and also running a podcast uh, summit while I'm there uh, as well. Uh, and then, of course, going to the UK, which will be the first time in two and a half years. So um, it'll be interesting to uh, see whether or not it's still there.
1: Now we're still here, James. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah sinking fast yes, that's sinking all I'll fast. say sinking Absolutely. fast
0: uh, and that's it for this week if you like Podland you should tell others to visit tell your friends on Twitter LinkedIn if you must Facebook or wherever
1: we can't well no not Facebook anymore James got to take that out now I
0: mean I mean, you know you can still tell others to visit it's just, oh, that, you can't, that's true. It's just that you can't listen to us on Facebook anymore but you can't listen to us on LinkedIn either or indeed on Twitter so
1: oh okay very cool Anyway, you can also email comments at podland.news and you'll also find all of our previous shows and interviews at Podland. Dot news.
0: If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter is free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app, and all the stories we've discussed on Podland today are in the show notes. And we use chapters and transcripts too.
1: Our music is from Ignite Jingles, and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends Buzzsprout and
2: Squadcast.
0: Keep listening.